Bunsen, Dolly, Internal, Why do we need Patrick, Oscar, Isaac, Transplanting. Nick. Hello, Steve. How are you? Good, thanks. It's a new season. Is it? Yeah. Autumn? It's no, not autumn. New season of the, of the podcast. You know the reason oh, we come together. A to season. Talk? Oh, that's yeah. what the Americans say, isn't it? Instead of yeah. series. All oh, right. Which is my preferred term. Okay, let's try again. Nick. <laughs> Hello. It's a new series. Great. <laughs> <laughs> How you been? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. I've just um, I've just come up from Salisbury. It was that we had some thunderstorms the other night. It's been pretty hot yesterday, wasn't it? Was it was mental. My dog was struggling. I'm not going to lie. She's a husky. She's designed for the Arctic tundra. Your dog is always struggling in a mental <laughs> sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she wasn't happy. A product of artificial human directed evolution. That's right. Meaning like broccoli. That it's almost, almost not compatible with life, the physiology <laughs> of your dog. Why are you being so mean about Ripley? <laughs> no, your dog's beautiful. I Thanks. love your dog. But it is a funny little thing, isn't it? It's a funny little creature, yeah. yeah. A bit like yourself, Nick. That's why I'm <laughs> friends with you. <laughs> but I've my body's been honed by millions of, of years, years of, of natural selection. Is that right? Yeah, which means I'm like super evolutionary fit, even though I haven't reproduced. Yet. It's a waste. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So we, we, we're changing a bit, Nick. How are we changing? We're opening up the borders of the opening science shed. Opening up. The shed's getting larger. The shed's getting larger. We've got a new addition to the shed, haven't we, Steve? We have. Who's the new addition? We've got Eleanor. Hello, Eleanor. Hello. Hello. Oh, Welcome. my gosh. Oh, look, there's someone in the room. <laughs> that, that surprised you, listeners. Yeah, yeah we've got, got we're, we're going we're gonna to try something new for a little while, aren't we, Nick? We are, yeah. And well, welcome, Enola. Welcome to the to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be in London. Yeah, and you enjoy it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's ten degrees too hot for my tastes. <laughs> but uh, we, your accent makes us sound like you're probably familiar with the with the hot uh, weather. Yes, I get this a lot. Uh, I, I get in trouble for complaining about the heat because I am Australian. Right. It's really nice to have you here. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself? I'm a crystallographer, a protein crystallographer. Right. So my my job primarily involves setting up uh, infinite crystal screens and then crying into them. Do you, do you <laughs> like? So can you find out what's wrong with me by dangling one of your crystals? Uh, over just my and navel? whether it goes clockwise or counterclockwise. Yeah. 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 That's that's a, a good part of the uh, the synchrotron training. Um, they are beautiful, though protein crystals. They are. I think particularly if you put them under birefringent light. Yeah. yeah. And I think I think. Uh, what does that mean? It just means it makes them colourful. They go pretty. They go pretty. Right. They do. They do <laughs> go pretty. <laughs> which is which is why I've picked that as my field. It's uh, crystallography is interesting because it's sort of black magic. I know that sort of the whole premise of science is it's meant to be repeatable and you're supposed to be able to identify conditions and then replicate them and, and achieve the same results. But crystallography is sort of this weird art where you, you kind of vibe it. So it's a bit um, like bread making. Yeah. It's artisanal rather than And you can, than you can give the exact same uh, specifications to someone else and say, you know, repeat this crystal so screen. Does that mean there's work. like... Does that mean there's like superstars, like people that can just crystallize proteins that no one else can because they've got magic hands? I would like to say that that is that's my you. Role. Yes. We, so we're in the presence of greatness, Nick. Yes. We're like, oh. well, I, my my claim to fame was uh, my PhD supervisor had a particular protein that he had been trying to crystallize during his PhD and couldn't, and I I did it in like a week. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. <laughs> so so when when I was um, when I was an undergraduate, I was in organic chemist very brief, very briefly, and I uh, crystallized the small molecule, nothing as big as a, as a, um, <coughs> as a protein. And 
when I crystallized out, I came out as a dimer. And my uh, supervisor at the time crystallized the same thing that came out, monomeric. Mm. Same, it's exactly the same starting material, exactly the same reactant. And uh, we did it again, and every single time I crystallized it, it crystallized out as a diamond. We have no idea why. So I totally uh, um, am with you there. That, and that's a simple, small molecule, so I'm sure when you get things that are big and complicated, like proteins. There's a, there's a really nice uh, sort of instructional paper, uh, and they, they recommend that crystallographers should grow beards. Why is that? Uh, because you can introduce nucleation sites <laughs> into your crystal screens by sort of dangling sort of the dandruff from your, from your face you into the screen. You can just scratch your face over the, over the yeah. screen. It would do the same thing i guess but uh apparently so does that mean there's a gender bias in crystallographers i, I think and that's probably I think the only a reason distinct advantage to to <laughs> having a, a a luscious beard that you can sort of nucleate your your crystal wells i've got some questions for you oh dear yeah i just okay. wrote them down just now excellent what's the worst job you ever had ah okay that's an easy one oh, so we're introducing eleanor by a series of questions to get to, get to know eleanor we could do a jingle <laughs> The worst job I ever had, I was a host at an indoor soft play playground thing. I don't know if you have them here. Uh, yeah. Like a big ball pit. Kind yeah, of thing. like sort of foam towers yeah, that five and six-year-olds run around. That sounds fun, that man. Sounds cool. oh, I, like, quite like to do I that thought now. it was going to be... I thought it was going to be the best thing in the world because, I, I mean, I don't mind. I like kids. They're fun and energetic, and I was a teenager, and I wanted to run around. No, I very rarely got a lunch break because more often than not, I would be mopping vomit out of a small enclosed plastic tunnel oh because no. that's where they typically wanted to Wait, throw that, up that's better than in a ball pit because it'd be very hard to clean up all of those balls do you uh, know what i mean because the vomit would get embedded between the balls and it would be not contained do you know what i mean the balls you'd have would to do a full around a full ball upheaval you'd have to like pour in some like a water with domestos or something, we we learned quite quickly you're not don't don't go in those ball pits because like yeah. you can tell when someone's thrown up in a ball pit, oh. but the the more urine side of it Ooh. is. Uh, Do you know there's a there's a bar in Old Street for like adults with a ball pit in, and you're not allowed. To, and they well, have you, adults. What's a sexy place? No, no, <laughs> like an adult place. Oh, it's a bar. <laughs> oh, it's for. Oh, it's a bar. So it's a bar. It's a bar, but it's got a ball pit, pit in, and but oh. you're not allowed to take a cocktail in for similar reasons. So I am sure. Ridiculous. <laughs> Sticky balls. Nick's like, why well, try and have fun? <laughs> How dare you! What's the best thing ever happened to you at work? The best thing that ever happened to me at work? Oh, God. You're really putting her on the spot here. I couldn't I answer these. Could What's the not? best thing that ever happened to you at work? I can't, don't know. <laughs> don't know? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a very good question, is it? That's it. That's all the questions that I managed it. to write What's down. the worst job? <laughs> <laughs> my last one's not very good. It just pops into my head. It's, why did birds suddenly appear? Welcome, Eleanor, to the Science Shed. What else can we be looking forward to you contributing as we go ahead in this season three? I'm hoping to, to feed off sort of existing vitriol in the academic world. Right. This is exciting. I think this is there's definitely something we haven't we've thought about, but I haven't actually engaged, isn't it, Nick? <laughs> vitriol in the academic world. Vitriol! Yeah. Oh, we've, yes. we've thought about it, but we've, we've had so far not had the, um, the right uh, insider information to find about it and, and Eleanor's going to help us yes well I have access to lots of grumpy people very grumpy people uh, you know grumpy not not unusually grumpy just just normal intelligent people who have 
frustrations right. yeah. Yeah, about the career of science and, and, and the problems going through it. Yes. And so the, it's, it's going to be a cathartic exercise for everyone's going to recognise that we're all in it and everyone has the same problems and we're all trying to get along. I just love, to people get, love listening to people who get really angry and frustrated yeah. with things. <laughs> <laughs> it's always quite funny, isn't it? Yeah. Um, do, you wanna, do you want to hear the trailer for it? Yeah. I uh, can't wait. The sky is blue, the sun is shining, and the crushing weight of my thesis has finally been lifted from my shoulders, bound in navy blue fabric, and placed lovingly onto a shelf in my PI's office, where I'm sure they'll refer to it frequently. Yes, it's finally time to embark on my next big adventure. I'm going to strike out on my own. I'm going to apply for and almost certainly receive a, a huge fellowship. Ah, oh, I'm going to be a mentor, a thought leader, a real grown-up scientist. It's time to postdoc. All right, off for another day of science. Ah, the life of a postdoc. Always pushing back the frontiers of human knowledge. Gonna go grab all the equipment I need to set up for another day of incredibly productive experimentation. Uh, head over to the communal store area. Let's have a look. Uh, grab a need to grab a syringe. I'll just uh, go to the box here. Yes, here's the box. Open it up. Huh. Okay. The box is empty. Someone has decided to take the last syringe and leave the box. Love it. <laughs> You're most welcome on this podcast. Most welcome <laughs> for making your own jingle. What was the la- what was that like? <laughs> Postdoc post soapbox. Oh, is that what it said? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. That is amazing. Okay. Well done. I'm glad. <laughs> that made me happy. <laughs> well, okay. So what what is postdoc, postdoc soapbox? It works be? really well as well. Like yeah. Some assonance. Yeah. Yeah. Got some you can hear the anger. That post well, who, had, who, who, who did the vocals there? So that's uh, my friend J.D. McNair. He's, okay. a, he's well, a musician. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. He's not an angry postdoc. <laughs> no, <laughs> he's, a, he's a proper... He's a, a pop star back, wow. back in Australia. So <laughs> <laughs> Was he ever in Silverchair? Uh, I, most people in Australia have been in Silverchair at least once. So. It's like the Sugar Babes. There's yeah. hundreds of them. Yeah. Okay, so so what is a soap? Uh, sorry, postdoc soapbox so going to be? Certainly, it seems in my experience that uh, the the people who do the heavy lifting in the lab, in terms of you know ordering things and keeping things tidy and making sure that no one murders each other, and telling people off. Yeah, I think, I think that's quite an important job of a postdoc. Yeah, when stuff. That's not easy for a postdoc to no, do. No, it? but it's kind of important because they're the people. I mean, PI is never in the lab. No. I did some experiments the other day, Nick. This week I've done experiments. Did you? First so time, did I. First time in half a decade I've been in the lab. And my postdoc, who was with me there, she uh, uh, she was fully intended for me to break everything. Yeah. And I didn't. Not well a single done. thing. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Okay, so so there's going to be a series. We're going to have a series of postdocs, uh, different things that are compl- complaints from the postdoc community. Yeah, basically. yeah, and it's 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 going to be relatively lighthearted. We're not going to get into <laughs> into sort of real horrible death wish stuff. But oh, I'd like to hear. <laughs> you want? Uh, maybe we'll have to wait towards the end end of the season. Really horrific stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we've we've got a few people who are interested in in sharing their experiences, and and each week we'll kind of pick a different topic maybe the the quality of the food served at your institute or how you interact with phd students or 
uh, unreasonable things your PI has asked you to do. Uh, and That sounds great. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Steve. Heck. I've been delving into the murky, mucky undergrowth of science. Oh, really? Recently, How yeah. dirty and how mucky? Quite dirty. I'm not sure like how... Um, I've got... I've, there's some dirty stuff. Yeah. But it's just become can interesting. I just, can I just say, I like, my, my mother told me... I was talking to my mother the other day, and she really likes... Uh, she, she she likes listening to the podcast. Does she? She does. But she does, she, she said, why is that Nick always a bit smutty? Oh, really? <laughs> Am I that smutty? <laughs> That's what my mum thinks. Oh, I'm sorry, everybody. Hello, mom, I don't mean you're to listening. be. Right. Um, I blame it on my upbringing. <laughs> you obviously had a, a more less smutty upbringing than me. I don't know where I'm going with this. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> anyway, so I've been dealt with, so I was at a conference recently. Okay, where was it? It was in uh, in Austria. Austria. And it was on. It was to do with biomechanics. And sometimes in conferences, you can't be interested in everything no. all the way through, and you can't listen you, to talks from like eight thirty till six it's every very day. Hard, isn't it? There, there's so a, there is a small subsection of people that do though, and I'm always impressed by them because they cause don't I'm not just, really doing it though, are they? are they? Well, they're sat there at the front. Yeah, in that they're same not seat. really listening. No, you can't do. I don't think you can concentrate for that. No. Long. So I tend to wander off. Yeah. And do things like mm, listen to the cricket commentary <laughs> on the internet, or occasionally just do to internet surf. Yeah, right. go for a walk. So, but sometimes I'm in the in the room, and there's like, for people who don't know, at scientific conferences, you have sessions which may be a couple of hours long, and in that session you may get like six, seven, fifteen minute talks, yeah. something like that, or ten minute talks or whatever. So and some of they've all got titles which are very technical and you listen to them and there are certain ones you may be interested in like two in a session and others maybe just sort of you sort of sit through so you kind of like you have to take the good with the bad yeah but w also what you can do is you can sort of listen to one and decide if you're not really interested, interested in it you don't, you don't think it speaks very good you can do your own stuff do a bit of work whatever and actually i think you know just in general it's actually quite productive then just having a time and space away from the office and even though it feels like you're not being productive and you're skiving off actually you end up having a chat with someone or speaking to someone actually generating some scientific ideas like sound, you're, you're smirking so that's probably not what well, happened to you i but was I, not I, productive <laughs> <laughs> i okay. well, i went down a rabbit hole of um science fraud oh, and the fraud, dirty stuff in science so i came across a website right um Written by a guy called Leonid Schneider. Have you come across this Schneider, guy? Schneider, no. He writes a blog called For Better Science or something like that. We'll post yeah. the link um, in the in the sort of info to the to the podcast. But he's got like he's he's a bit of a firebrand, right? So I sort of delve back into his. So this so this is a guy who's kind of collating all of these scientific frauds. Is that what? So he did a PhD and then he was a postdoc and I think just you know didn't go towards being a PI or whatever, right, okay. got rapidly disillusioned Fine. with what he felt was the twisting of data. Ooh. And the, 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 you know, the competitive nature of science makes people push the boundaries of what's ethical and acceptable. I agree. Yeah, we've spoken about that before. Happens all the time, I reckon. Tip of yeah. the iceberg, probably, what we know about. I reckon there's a lot of made-up stuff in very high-profile papers. And anyway, he runs a website... And there's a couple of them. There's Retraction Watch. Yeah. There's one called You've Pub Peer. Have you come across Pub no. Peer? People spot fabricated data in publications. How do you... What, because of the noise is too predictable? Well, oh my God. Well, I, this, is where, this is where I sort of zoned in on it because right. I started with this website and I saw it on Twitter. 
you know, Ooh. as you often do. And then I went onto this website. Pub I bet there's some people with some pretty sophisticated tools to analyze where the data's made yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it's a, it, it, in some respects, it's a bad idea to go after scientists. They're the people that have the tools to know if you're cheating. Exactly. Like, like what you should be doing is going after a completely different field where they've got no chance of but being able to track o- you. It's often people making up um, blots. So there are things called Western blots. Right. When basically you squirt liquid that you've isolated from... Um, like a, an animal or a tissue, a cell in a dish, and you squirt it, and then you try and identify proteins. And basically, what you end up with is a little smear, like a band on a gel, looks like a brown blob on yeah, a gel. Well, and then I they t- line that they line them all up, and then you have to try and um, sort of see whether it's the right size, whatever, it, 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 or an antibody associates with it, so you know what protein you're looking at. Um, but anyway, so but what happens often? What happens is people make up shit, right? So, They'll have a band so which is identical to another band, which is reporting something totally different in a different context. So they just edited the same the picture. Page. They just put a blob somewhere else and say, "Look, here it is." And that's a fact. No, I made that up. So that's often what happens. So they and other things they do. And other things which people have spotted is pictures where people have just made up montages of pictures. So it's like imagine you've got like a fluorescence picture. So you might have you might have done an experiment where you you take a tissue. You do a section, you look on a microscope, mm. you look down the microscope, you stain things with different colours. There's a pretty picture in there's like a blood blood vessel in red and then there's some sails dotted around in blue and yeah. something else in green showing you some exciting piece of science that's happened when you've proven something to be true. And, you just and then someone comes there. along and notices recurring patterns like <laughs> wallpaper all over the picture. Right? Someone's paint. obviously... I mean, all this does is this just selects for bad cheats. Like, yeah. like, if you give it to me, I bet you, you would struggle. If I if I wanted to cheat what are you for, saying for is, a Western, <laughs> I'm saying I'm saying I know how to fabricate images. So that must that well in that case, this must only be the tip of the iceberg because yeah. only the bad cheats are getting caught out. But, but then, anyway, but there's loads that, of examples, but it's crazy because in all of these papers, you find this stuff. Most of it never gets retracted. So the one paper that I saw this crazy picture with all of the repeating patterns yeah. was in 2001. Not attracted, still there, still being cited. Wow. Two made up figures. Is it like properly made up? I personally think there's a culture, when you've got big labs, there's a culture that becomes as a culture of trying to get this next piece of data sure. that's wanted. And I think consequently that attitude, that kind of environment fosters corner cutting, big fat cheats, cheating, all of those sorts of things. And I think mm. there's a lot to be said. Because you have, as a PI, if you're responsible for it, you should really know about what's everything. going on. Yeah, the buck stops and I with think you. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, that's absolutely my, does, that's yeah. my opinion. I totally so, agree. But, but that's why it gives me it gives me a pat, waves of anxiety just thinking about that. You know, imagine if someone contacted you like, dear, dear Professor Evans, I noticed on your recent Nature Neuroscience paper that, and you'd be like, shit. <laughs> like, well, I mean, I think I would just, re- I mean, if there was something totally, going on, you'd retract it. But a lot of these people don't retract it. So it's still out there. I, I will take an image. I would fake an image and have a real image and I'll give them to you and see if you can find the difference <laughs> how about that yeah alright yeah, um, yeah. maybe I shouldn't uh, shouldn't promulgate my <laughs> cheating skills maybe that won't be good for my uh, the thing is though if, if I my, my opinion is I totally understand this pressure cooker that we have uh, you know that competition fosters people to work hard and to try and progress science faster I think would be the argument for it and um, I would just say if you're getting to that point where you're cheating like just do something else. Like cheat at something. Like it's it's science is hard enough. Let alone to try and cheat because eventually you're going to get caught out. You can't build a career on cheat on just making up Western blots. Or I whatever. think some people may do. No, there's no one sat around there. Part with of a, it. 
Yeah, I think people coin it from that sort of thing. I genuinely think that's you true. You think there's there's a professors in universities sat there's about a lot of know, data knowing that the data they're putting out is completely fabricated. I wouldn't say completely fabricated, but I'd say very much like not not you know not certain about it. That's depressing. Limited certainty. <laughs> that's what I think. I don't know that to be true. That's my hypothesis. Anyway, I you have a look at the website. You can decide for yourself. What's the website? It's called For Better Science. For Better Science. Yeah, and there's loads of really um, interesting information and stories there. And there's also another website called Retraction Watch, and there's one called Pub Peer, and all of them are kind of trying to find um, dodgy stuff that's going on or, or call out um, poor ethics. How does it work? How does it work? How does it work? I don't know how it really works. How does it work? That's how it works. That's how it works. I finally understand it now. That's how it works. Nick. Steve. Uh, I want to talk to you about clocks. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, quartz clocks. Sometimes you see I that don't really. Well, I think. I like watch, quartz it. watches. It was yeah. just quartz on your watch. Do you know what it's about? I had, li- I I had a little things, delve the other things day. Things vibrate about... or something. <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's the end of that bit of content. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, so so uh, if you have a watch, sometimes it says, you know, quartz. Uh, yeah. Quartz watch or quartz adjusted. Yeah, or yeah, quartz yeah. Where do you think it comes from and why do people use it? The quartz? Yeah. Well, it's a rock, isn't it? It is a rock. It comes from the ground. It comes from the ground. So what? What? Why would you need a? Why would you need a rock in the ground in your watch? Well, I'm assuming because like time is the the things moving, so it vibrates. If you put it in a current, it vibrates or something, something like that. Uh, and it counts how many times it vibrates, and that's what a second is. <laughs> is that it? <laughs> Can I mean, we move yeah, on yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that is right. So so prior to having a quartz watch, so okay. So why use quartz and not another piece? No idea. Cheap. Uh, I mean, it is cheap. So prior to having quartz watches, what we need for 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 any kind of timepiece is you need something that 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 the, you need a second hand, something that ticks and tocks, something that uh, oscillates at a known frequency, like a dangler. Right? A dangler. So that's how it used to be, right? With a with a grandfather clock, you got a dangler, yeah, yeah. tick and tocking, about one tick and one tock a second, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, this is the origin. We've had a discussion about this before of the, the Harrison clocks, which is the original oh, yeah, 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 yeah. in in the um, Greenwich Museum about mm-hmm. trying to find uh, an alternative to a grandfather clock. Basically, it does it out of a, a weight falling. Basically, uses gravity to get the tick and the tock. Yeah. Now, this is, I thought before I learned this, I thought that just the crystal itself of quartz vibrates, right, when you put a current across it or right. a voltage, and I thought that was it. Right. That's what I thought. It's not that. Oh, wow. Okay. It's so cool. So this is going to be more interesting it's, than I was expecting. It's well more. It's extremely. Oh. So, so first off, it doesn't have to be. So quartz has a, a property called piezoelectricity, right? So when you compress it, uh, it produces a little voltage and right. vice versa. So if you've ever got so you, the thing that sparks on your um, on your cooker to light your f- the gas hob is working the opposite way around. Then you're compressing a crystal and a big spark's coming out and that's lighting the flame. Right. Yeah. So. It doesn't have to be piezoelectric, right? Um, it, although it, I'll explain it without it first. So, so all that's so when you see a quartz lot, a quartz clock, 
if you take that apart, right? So, so the yeah. there's a clock behind us on the wall, right? If you take that apart, there's a little thing in there that if you unscrew it, it has a little tuning fork in it, right? It's a li it's honestly looks like a, it doesn't. It's not like a little like solid state version of it. It looks like a piece like a like a prop like, like a, a wishbone type exactly thing. of quartz, right? Oh and God. on the end of it, there's a blob of gold, right? Yeah. And what they do is they build these things uh, to oscillate at thirty-two thousand seven hundred sixty-eight hertz, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And the way they do that is not because it's not intrinsic property of the crystal. It's they just build the physical dimensions of it. They, they, there is some property about how stiff the crystal is. And so that it kind could of be any, it could be some of the material. Make it however you want. Really? Make it however you want. But it's a physical tuning fork, right? And what they do is they build it roughly the right size. And then they put gold, a gold blob on the end. And they shave off tiny bits of gold. Until it vibrates. Until at exactly 32,768 hertz. That's so weird. Right. And then, and the reason it's 30, and then it goes through a series of electronic... Um, components called they're called flip flops that that reduce the frequency by half. This is what this 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 electronic component is called a flip flop, and it does that fifteen times. And thirty thirty two thousand seven hundred sixty eight is two to the fifteen. So if you if you do that fifteen times, if you reduce thirty thousand by a half and by a half and by a half and by a half, you get two. Half, you get two, right? right? And that's the origin of the, the the tick and the tock, right? But this is what's cool. So the, so the fact it's piezo, what that means is that so you, so it's oscillating. And, it's, and it, so if you took the tuning fork out, you know, when you hit it on the table, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it rings and then it would slowly decrease in amplitude. Like that. It, it decreases in amplitude because yeah, yeah. it, it vibrates quieter. away the energy. It gets right? So all they do with the, with, with the quartz, exactly the same thing happens, but it's oscillating because of a little voltage across it. And the cool thing about piezo materials is they output an electricity as they vibrate. So as it's vibrating, it outputs a little a voltage signal and that signal goes back into an amplifier. That then goes that then amplifies that signal and then puts it back into the so crystal. It resonates itself. It resonates itself with a battery. So it's so like it a perpetual motual. Well, no, it's not perpetual motion because there's, there's a battery that's, oh, that's right, providing right. It has the to amplification. Keep me a bit. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, but but it's that frequency, that oscillation. So it's just going, but just at that precise frequency. So in every quartz watch, there's a tuning you know fork. We, I show you this. The, the little thing that comes in, it looks like a it looks like a stainless steel cap. Have you taken apart? Yes, I took one. I took one apart. I've got it at home. I'll show it to you. Um, but it's a physical thing. It's, a, it's on that. the scale of about a centimetre long and about half a centimetre wide. So it's quite big then, the actual yeah, it's chamber. Huge. It's huge because it, oh it's, it's a physical thing. It's not a solid state You can state see thing. it. Yeah. I'm you know what I'm imagining? You know in the game board game operation? Yeah. You know the, the wishbone? Yeah. You have to pick it out. I'm imagining it looks like that piece of plastic. That's exactly what it looks like. It's, no it's, way. No, it looks more like a tuning fork. So it's oh, right, 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 so right. not like that. It's like that. They're parallel, the, 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 the beams. I'll I'm totally flabbergasted. Yeah, isn't it cool? So, so um, it's nothing to do with it, just a blob of quartz. It's a thing. So, so it could be made of whatever. The only reason it's quartz is because it's piezoelectric. Piezo so, 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 so the act of so while it's very easy to tune to get exactly that frequency because yeah. you basically just attach it to an oscilloscope yeah. and you and you hit it w until it starts to vibrate at the right frequency, and then because it can then amplify its own, then because it's outputting that frequency, you just have to amplify that and feed it back to it, and then it keeps vibrating at that oh known frequency. Goodness. So there you go, quartz That's watches. Great. Fantastic. Boris Johnson. Hooray! Our illustrious leader. So, at this I'm time... I'm kind of excited. It's kind of like watching the end of the world and we've got like front, <laughs> front seat tickets. So, give him a chance, Steve. Yeah. Give him a chance. That's what my yeah. mum says. Give him a chance. Do you have a Tory? Uh, a little bit. She's, she's more... Um, let's not go into that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so... Um, yes, so he's our new Prime Minister. We story. are recording this two days into... His reign. His reign. Yeah. 
So Long may he serve. He mentioned a bit of science in his opening talk. Did you Did notice I didn't, that? I hadn't seen it, no. So he'd, he'd, met, he'd said name he's, dropped. He, didn't he want to make the UK the, the best country to live in the world? Uh, that was, uh, he said something along those lines well, on the BBC. he wants to. Yeah. I mean, make, sure, every prime minister like It's like make to. America great again. It's make UK great again. So yeah, he's not quite as bad as Trump. Bas- Trump is. Basically he, separate. They call him, you know what they call him? Britain Trump. <laughs> Britain Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo! 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 Britain Trump. Oh my God. He's not, at least he's not that bad. Yeah. He's quite bad though. Anyway, uh, that's just my opinion, by the way, okay. listeners. You may have other diverse opinions. Other, other opinions are. And there are, yep, yeah, there's no right or wrong answer. Not even the wise can see all ends. You know who said that? Aristotle. <laughs> Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> he well, mentioned. <laughs> there's a teaser for one of the podcasts. I get, I right get there, all so. of my. I get all of my. <laughs> I get all of my inspirational quotes from Gandalf. He's wise. Let's go this way. Smell is not quite so foul. <laughs> That's how I decide what experiment to do next. Anyway, um, right, Boris. Boris Johnson. So he mentioned uh, Britain being at the forefront because we're using gene therapy for the first time to treat the most common form of blindness. Is that true? Yeah, well, they're doing experiments at the Moorfields Eye Hospital um, where they're trying to correct um, particular types of Gs. One of one of them's called chorioderemia, which is a degenerative disease of the eye and a mutation. So they're doing gene therapy to try and correct people with this type of blindness. Mm-hmm. Um, problem is that um, 16 million euros of it is funded by the EU. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. And more than twenty percent of the people who work there are EU nationals, rather than UK nationals. So but it's being done in London. Quite ironic that, yeah. So he, it's just quite interesting. The other thing he mentioned was about the um, anti-GM, right? Um, Prince Philip, famously anti-GM. He is. Uh, people, uh, it's a weird one, GM, because as a scientist, it does divide people, doesn't it? As a scientist, I'm kind of like, I know it's safe. Yeah. You know, I know it's safe, but a lot of people think it's unsafe because they think people are going to get some weird genetic mutations it's unhealthy it's no more it's no no more unhealthy than normal food yeah which is slightly more exactly but the point is i think uh, other people are more nervous about it because it makes the patents are owned by big multinationals and it makes farmers and other people kind of having to engage work with them yeah, yeah i mean there's a big literature about that but anyway, you can GM food. It's perfectly legal to to grow it and eat it in the in the UK. Clear. It's just because it hasn't been exploited. Because there is in the UK, there is much more of an anti-GM um, lobby than there is in the US. People is in the US right? eat GM care. food all the time. They don't care. We're not. We don't allow US GM food in the UK. I don't think. What about the Europe? Is there any? Are we Europeans are pretty much anti-GM. Okay. The EU is generally anti-GM. A famous example was that golden rice, wasn't it? That they artificially added uh, vitamin A into the uh, into um, to, to make rice express it. Yeah. Um, it was done so because there were lots of health issues associated with low vitamin A consumption yeah. for people that predominantly eat rice. So yeah, I mean. It's, it's true with folic acid, people adding right. that to bread as well. It's a slightly different but thing. That's not, I don't that's think not that's genetic, not GM, yeah. no, no. And the other thing you mentioned was about st- uh, satellites and space and things like that. So he's no. talking about navigation and timing satellites. Um, but the UK has been excluded from um, many of the aspects of the 10 billion Galileo global navigation satellite system. Well, that's the, um, that's because the of European Because of Brexit, problem. yeah. So 
that's a bit of so an all, issue. So all of the stuff that he said is good, or is all, is all got strong so ties I, to you. This is this is from I should mention an article in New Scientist where they've picked a few things out and sort of illustrated, you know, the, the irony of it. Of basically, course. the fact that a lot of these things we were successful at through working with, with our others. European partners very closely, so and sad. he's a very anti-EU. And politician. So, yeah, there you go. There's my serious political analysis for the week. Yay. Bunsen, Burner, Dolly, Machine, Internal, Combustion, Why Do We Need, Petri, Oscar, Bay. Isaac, Newton, Transplanting, Hello! Hey Brian! How are you doing? Do you know what, we've got someone else in the shed. No, we can see her over there! <laughs> like, why oh, don't you she's make, a ginger! She is a ginger, why don't you Why don't you make her feel a little bit uncomfortable? <laughs> well, you, hello, nice to meet you. Very pleasant to see you, you'll have to come around one day and meet Marjorie. <laughs> I, I would love to. I would <laughs> have a cup of tea. I'll take you down the shed. I'll show you my sticklebacks. They're still alive. So, so Brian is the number one science shed fan, and he, he's helped. Bloody us out, Louis, mate! <laughs> Bloody brilliant! It's been a while since we've we've uh, had you on the in, in the shed, Brian. Don't be silly, what mate. You, what have you been up to? This and that. Just bought some tickets to go away. Watch the uh, watch the wolves. Right. Do you ever get Portugal, t- mate? <laughs> Do you like it? Obrigado, obrigada. Huh. That's impressive. You've been taking lessons. Hola. <laughs> Do you know what beep cerveza is? That cerveza. I think, I think that's Portugal. Spanish, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know much Portuguese, mate. Anyway. Jose Mourinho. <laughs> that's right. Ronaldo. <clears throat> anyway, well, great listening to you. Guys, Do you enjoy it this week? I'm loving. I'm loving it. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? I'm loving it with both of you because there's three of you now. There's, there's three. There used to be two. Great. You like enjoying it? I tell you what, then. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Brian. Yeah. Um, and if you, the good thing about the science shed in season three is that we're going to give, we're going to release them one every week, so you don't have to wait that long for the next one. No way. Yeah. God, I'm going to have a backlog, aren't I? You better go and get. I'm your... busy when I'm going to be away. I might listen to it on the plane, maybe. You can listen to it on the plane. Or you might oh. want to get back from Portugal, so you can listen to the next one. Will you tweet it out? We will do. Look forward to the tweets. Bye.